On this episode of Hit the Deck, we're talking deck hockey, street hockey, road hockey? The dimensions are half of the size of a uh, regulation NHL rink, and it seems like it's in parking lots. Take the essence of hockey, the integration of real rinks, the support of official referees, and you get the largest road hockey tournament in North America. And when school is out, deck is in, and Ottawa is taking care of the kids. A major junior hockey team of the Ontario Hockey League are having a fundraising dinner to promote kids playing sports after school is out, especially for inner city kids that um, don't have the opportunity or maybe not the money. Plus, what's so high tech about a little rubber disc? What indeed? The microchips in the puck can track information at 2,000 times per second. All this and more coming up on this episode. Of hit the deck and theme. And the home of the brave. Welcome to episode 125 of the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey, it's hockey in sneakers. 125. 125 sounds like it should be significant. I don't know. It's not overly in terms of this particular podcast, but it seems like it should. So when you're listening to the podcast tonight, dear listener, or today, or, you know, whenever you happen this morning, this afternoon, whatever, whenever now happens to be for you, when you're listening to this podcast, listen to it with a sense of weight and gravity and importance and pretend that it's actually significant in some way. So that being said, I think now would be a great time for me to introduce myself and the other guy who will be talking at you shortly. I think it's time for this podcast starting lineup. So for tonight's starting lineup and goal, as ever, I am number 35, your American rhino, Gary McComiskey, and of course, my competent co-host. On defense number four, I'm James Sejazy. I don't mean to imply you're simply competent, like you you are base level, uh, uh, you know, average like you can do your job adequately and no more i just you know a little bit of alliteration and i like to change it up in terms of how i how i throw to you so i just figure you know competent co-host if you prefer i could use um you know that's I, fine i like that's to use that's... stalwart or steadfast no. or uh i could use effervescent no that, that, that's fine thank you effervescent <laughs> co-host uh, i mean you're not really bubbly you're not known for that no but why, no. why not no I, i'm competent to I like that. Thank you. How are you, James? I'm hanging in there. How about yourself, sir? I'm okay. If you're wondering why I seem so energetic, listener, why I seem so, you know, kind of amped up, it's it's, it's simply because I uh, fill my body with sugar and caffeine before I go on for these things. For you. I do it. I, I, I do these things for you because I feel like I need to bring a certain level of energy for you. You deserve nothing less. So that's what you've got. And that's why I sound like this. So, you know, that's what you get. Nothing but the best for their dear listener. That uh, also, that may be why I sound a little manic. So 
if I, I do tend to go off on one of these really crazy tangents and you don't understand where this came from or where I'm going, know that the reason is probably because I'm talking faster than I'm thinking at this point. So what really, whatever comes out of my mouth, I have no idea uh, until I actually hear it. So, well, that's where we are now. It's part of the fun as far as I'm concerned. And I'm, I'm practicing to be the new micro machine guy. Oh, great. No, I, a- I, I, I never could. I never could. There is a void, so that that would be good. I think it's due. Do they still sell micro machines? No, but uh, I was just wondering the other day because, uh, with, with, by the way, it's my uh, the recording of this podcast is my niece's birthday. So very happy birthday if you're listening, sweet, dear, wonderful niece. Happy um, birthday, but, uh, buona th- whatever. Yeah, buon compleanno. Bon, bon com- sure, yeah, that. Thank you. <laughs> Much appreciated, but. Yep. Um, so with with my nephew, I broke out some old toys, including my good old micro machines. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of hit me like there's no and with the Transformers movie, the cartoon in 1986, there's no broadcaster that speaks rapidly anymore, as far as I can tell. So fill that void, man. Yeah. OK, I think I probably still have, if not all, most of my micro machines in like a duffel bag, maybe in a bin in the attic. Because I think I I got them. I received possession of them when my parents cleaned out my old room in order to convert it into my daughter's room at their house. So, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure it's still up there somewhere. So, you know, maybe someday I can pass some of those on to her. They're fantastic. They they still held up phenomenally. So great toys. And and, and I'm a car buff. So I, I enjoyed all the little Lamborghinis and the Ferraris and Mercedes and all that stuff. So, uh American muscle cars. It was great stuff. So you know, it's it's fun to use the excuse to play with them again because my nephew wants to play with them. So I can't let him play by himself, you know, so I got to got to join in. I had some cool stuff. I had I remember uh, the, the play sets. Do you remember the Micro Machines play sets, James? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so listener, yeah. if you don't remember or you weren't alive for this or weren't paying attention, any of those. The basically so micro machines. I, I don't know how granular I need to get here. Micro machines were like teeny tiny cars and not just cars, vehicles. So think Hot Wheels and Matchbox and reduce their size by maybe a you know two thirds uh, or to three quarters. They were they were they weren't as heavy. They were plastic, but they were eh, fairly detailed considering how small they were. They were just mm. really tiny vehicles that you could play with. And the whole gimmick was that, like, the cars were a si- the size of a quarter. You know, they, they, were, they were small. So the accessories that they had for them, the little play sets things, were also small. And since they were small, they decided to kind of go with this gimmick that they were things that would look like car parts and things that would unfold into these little play sets. So... I had, uh, if memory serves, uh, the, I, I remember three play sets I had. I had a distributor cap, mm-hmm. uh, which may have been a car wash when it opened up. I don't remember. I had, and that's, that's the only one I can possibly remember what it was. I had a battery, mm-hmm. which was some kind of play set, and I had a fuel can. Right. Oh, boy. That, you're really jogging the memory. Yeah. Good stuff. I, yeah, I think know, one of them was a garage too that that opened up to a garage. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I can't. <laughs> we're we're already pushing it as yeah. it is. I do remember 
some of my favorite micro machines. Uh, most of them were cars, but there were there were boats and planes as well. Mm. I remember I had uh, a like a three pack of boats, like military ships, destroyers, and whatnot. And I really enjoyed those for some reason. I, I thought they were pretty cool. And uh, one thing that I I feel really, really bad about it in retrospect because I'm sure it was, you know, quite valuable and I wrecked it. But I was a kid. What did I know? So when I was in grammar school, I remember one time my friend who was also into Star Trek The Next Generation kind of dragged me to the Star Trek convention at, uh, I don't know, the Javits Center, maybe. I don't remember. I was fairly young. I was probably too young to be going to a, a convention by myself or, you know, with a friend of uh, basically equal age. But that's neither here nor there. And the the one souvenir or, you know, the one piece of merch that I bought there, which was very expensive, but the one piece of merch I bought there and, and took home was a series of nine and, and they were branded as Micro Machine. That's how I remember. And that, that's how this ties in. Uh, a series of nine Star Trek ships, like tiny Star Trek ships. I am very, very, very jealous. Yeah, I, I, and and I like the packaging. I wrecked. I, I probably lost some of them. It's, it's sad. It's really sad. But I know there was like a Reliant. I think there was a Borg cube. I don't remember how many Enterprises there were, but there had to be, you know, at least one, if not two. Uh, I, yeah, there, there was. Uh, there, I'm sure there was a Klingon, like Bird of Prey. Uh, I'm pretty sure there was a Romulan warbird. Yeah, it was awesome. Wow. So, you know, I it's, I just wish I had taken better care of it, honestly. But, you know, yeah. I played with it because yeah. it was awesome. Right. And that's what you're supposed to do. I mean, watch the movies, toy stories, you know, come on. Mm -hmm. Toys are to be played with. But New one whatever. coming out this summer. Yeah, it's true. So uh, prepare, prepare to be emotionally wrecked. Yeah, I can't watch the third one. I, I sat through it once, and I admit my eyes teared up, and and I almost started to cry. So mm -hmm. that, that that's I'm not a crier either. So that's normal. It's a you know a Pixar movie. Boy, oh boy, they they really have you seen Up? Mm. No, <laughs> the no. first ten minutes are devastating. Oh man, yeah. It's... Uh, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Right. None of this has anything to do with hockey, but uh, no, I and I don't, I don't think anybody's sticking with us either. Don't listen, unless you're a micro machines buff. I don't know. Anyway, um, it, what what else what else happened or what what did happen this past weekend? I don't. I barely remember. Oh, because I was talking really fast. That's how I got onto the, the subject of micro machines. But uh, I mean, I could segue probably micro machines into starting lineup. That's quasi hockey related, but. Uh, maybe maybe we'll leave that one for another podcast. <laughs> but um, yeah. So what what else, James? What where do we go from here? Uh, what's on deck? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, just a quick follow up. Actually, I will. Uh, we can get to the on deck very shortly. But there's one thing I wanted to mention, just because. So tonight, once again, I found myself without a Rangers game to watch while preparing for the podcast. Uh, so I once again found myself watching the Titan games, which we discussed on a previous podcast, which is the rocks, uh, American gladiators esque game show kind of thing. And I, 
I think I enjoyed this episode a little more. Three out of the four games that I saw were different from the first time, uh, you know, competitions. And I, I liked it. One thing, though, I did just want to kind of touch on since we discussed it before. We had talked about whether there was any kind of connection between them, you know, formalized connection between them and the WWE because for, well, for if for no other reason that he was able to use Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And I, I, I still don't know the answer to that. But one interesting thing I noticed is The Rock kind of at one point, he, he said something about uh, having an intimidating eyebrow and he did the people's eyebrow and then they showed a quick series of clips from the WWE, I'm assuming from Raw's, of him doing the people's eyebrow. And it occurred to me that this show is on NBC and the network that airs the WWE is NBC Universal. So maybe they have the rights to the name somehow through their TV deal. I don't know. I guarantee you McMahon's making money off of it. I, uh, that, that's all I know. <laughs> all right. Well. That's just, I just wanted to mention that, you know, because we had talked about it on a previous podcast and I saw it and I thought, eh, this is something I can, you know, just, just kind of circle back to. But enough about The Rock, enough about Micro Machines. Let's have a little more of that hockey. Yeah. Okay. Let's have, let's have a little more of that hockey stuff here on this hockey podcast. Right. That's what they tune in for. Right. That's what, that's the red meat. That's why you're here. That's why you downloaded this show. Certainly not this, whatever I'm doing now. So <laughs> with that being the case, that acknowledging that as fact, James, could you please tell us what is on deck for this podcast? You got it, sir. Thank you kindly. Hockey Fest. It's the world's largest road hockey tournament, and we want in. It's deck hockey, by the way. Thank you very much. 67, dude. The Ottawa 67s promote playing sports for kids after school, including deck hockey, of course, and rebound shot. Professor American Rhino gave me an assignment, so it had to be done. More about the hockey puck that is smarter than the average one we talked about from the All-Star game. And that's what's on deck. Thank you, James. You're welcome, sir. All right. So, I mean, how, how big exactly is this road hockey tournament? And where... Well, actually, first, before before we go any further, I've heard of deck hockey. I've heard of ball hockey. I've heard of street hockey. You, listener, have heard of all those things as well, because I say them at the top of every podcast. But what on earth is road hockey? I mean, I guess it would be street hockey, but I've never heard it referred to as such. Is that for places that don't have paved streets? They have a great website, so you can check it out for yourself if, if I fail to explain this properly. It's HockeyFestGameOn.com. Game All on! One. Exactly. And uh, we'll talk about the history of it, too. But uh, what it looks like is they have 50% scaled-down NHL rinks with boards, so the, the, the dimensions are half of the size of a uh, regulation NHL rink with hockey boards around it. So it's all enclosed. And again, we'll get into why they do that. And it seems like it's in parking lots, uh, maybe even in, in sports arenas and things like that. So the locations that they have listed for this year so far, starting in May and going through June, mostly they are in Ontario, various places around Ontario, including 
where the Senators play. And then there's one uh, location, which is where the Blackhawks play in Chicago. And that would be on the weekend of June 22nd and 23rd. All the rest are scattered around Ottawa. The time that they'll be where the Senators play will be June 8th through the 9th, 2019. So, James, can you tell me, I mean, them too, obviously, because that's what this podcast is. It's us talking to the listeners. But just, you know, for my own selfish edification, can you tell me this little summary that you sent me for, you know, the purposes of us discussing this topic it looks like an article or uh, a news item, but there's no credit here. Where did you find this write-up on what this is? I got it straight from the horse's mouth from HockeyFestGameOn.com. Uh, they have a little summary noted our story, and you can find them on Facebook as well and Twitter and Instagram. And uh, that's exactly what this is. It's They have testimonials and all that. So this little summary is posted right there on Hockey Fest. It uh, doesn't name names. So everybody's being very humble and very kind, which is very hockey-like and, and particularly Canadian hockey-like. So uh, that's where it's from. So I don't have any names or, or how many people are involved and things of that nature. But from the pictures and the information, it looks like so much fun. And I hope that they can make it to a town near you and a town near us. That That's fine. The reason I ask is because, first, it looks like they took a little bit of poetic license in writing this, you know, a bit of a, a flair for the aesthetically pleasing in, in their prose, but that's neither here nor there. This uh, second paragraph here, and, and I want to read a little bit from it, because this all kinds of, this all kind of sounds all too familiar. It's a, it begins, forget about yelling car, dragging nets to the curbs or running down the street to get your ball. Forget about trying to remember the score and about calling your own penalties. Take the essence of hockey, the integration of real rinks, the support of official referees, and you get the largest road hockey tournament in North America. So that's awesome. And I agree with you. I hope it comes to a place where I can participate, but that like, especially that bit about remembering the score and calling your own penalties. Like the struggle is real. My friend, the mm-hmm. struggle is real. And that's the whole point of this is it takes all of the guesswork and, and the pitfalls of sacrificing playing deck hockey or street hockey. And it takes that all out of it and whittles down all the fun. And I, I you know, we've talked about this in the past too. Just, Personally, for me, I love playing in a rink. It's where hockey is meant to be played, especially for our positions. You're a goalie, American Rhino. I'm a defenseman. And it just really helps so much to know exactly where you are and how to position yourself properly and even how to work rebounds and and use the boards if you need to clear a puck or make a pass or whatever the case is. It just makes it so much more fun. And the fact that they get referees and referees who know the game they are real referees that, that that call it straight down the middle really makes it that much more fun and well-organized and exactly uh, the scoreboard, which the American Rhino made his own scoreboard for the LIQ, which is fantastic and comes in handy and really revolutionized how we play to make it so much more efficient and fun just makes the world a difference and, and all in a good way. And just a quick plug, if you want to know how I made that scoreboard, there is a video detailing the entire process on our YouTube channel, which is Hit the Deck Podcast. So if you want to find out how the sausage was made there, 
you can go ahead and just check that one out. Yeah, it, it's one of the best ones. I love all the stuff that, that you do on uh, on our YouTube page and especially the, the hockey sticks and, um, and, and how you brilliantly saved Lord knows if, if anybody watched it, I hope it really it helped you as much as it helped me. But the fact that you can swipe out a plastic blade on a wooden shaft, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, just r- kind of a quick follow up on that. It's definitely not as good of a blade as the one that, you know, the, the, the original blade on the stick. But that being said, you know, if you if you need a backup stick or, you know, just something to practice with. The the blades are, well, they're a little more expensive now than they used to be, but they're still pretty cheap on Amazon. So for less than the price of, of most sticks, you can just kind of rehab the stick that you already have and, and get right back into the game with it. Yes. And uh, when you do that, then maybe if you're in Peterborough, Ontario or London, Ontario, or uh, find yourself in Chicago on the weekend of June 22nd, you can use those sticks. And go play deck hockey with the Hockey Fest people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're in Chicago, God bless you. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. Like, stay strong, my friends. You've had a rough couple of weeks. Holy but, mackerel. Uh, hopefully this Hockey Fest will cheer you up a little bit. Yeah. I if mean, you can come that, out of your house. Exactly. I mean, 50 below? I thought that was only in Alaska or, or Antarctica. Good gravy. Anyway, I guess uh, they they know how Winnipeg feels now. Yeah, James, before uh, we move on, because I know you want to move on, but before we move on, I want to take a quick tangent because you mentioned having real qualified referees for this tournament. Mm -hmm. And I, I, so as I mentioned, uh, I may have mentioned on the podcast recently, I I don't remember, my my daughter is a cheerleader now for our local, her, her school's CYO basketball teams. And so we go to the games to support her. And my mother kind of asked me at one of the recent games, she, she asked me if the referees had to have played the game before. And I said, I I don't think so. I don't think they, you know, I, I don't think they have to be former players, but she, she seemed insistent that they had to have played the game in order to understand how the game should properly be called. Now, I want to know what your opinion on that is, James. I agree with that, as a matter of fact. I, I think that really does. And I, I think I assume that 99% of referees and, and umpires and things uh, would be former players that maybe the same reason why they would become coaches or managers or, or whatever the case is, is that they know the game so well. And I know what I'm talking about here. I know the games pretty well, too, but physically I can't play them to where they need to be played. So um, that would help in understanding the game a little bit more, especially watching it more because you're not good enough to be in the starting lineup. Uh, you're observing a lot more and, um, and, and, and you really can get a feel and an understanding in a way that is very unique because uh, just being a bystander as opposed to really being involved are two very different things. So I, I think that's, I, I agree with your mother. Um, that makes a lot of sense. And um, it, it should be a prerequisite that you should know the game that well, especially having at least tried it and uh, experience it in, in a big game situation, because it's much different when you're playing in front of fans and, and there are coaches and there's money involved and, and things of that nature. So you kind of get the idea of uh, the pressure 
and um, making sure that you call the game properly too and know the know the rules. You have to know the rules inside and out, as, as silly as that may sound, but that's very important. Yeah, there is some wisdom in the old chestnut, those who can do, those who can't teach. And I guess, uh, you know, ref would go along with that. But I feel like uh, just, and I don't know this based on any experience, but I feel like it makes sense that a referee who's played the game would be less inclined to call it entirely by the book. Because I feel like there are some situations where players, you know, tend to hope that the referees will, you know, maybe not like let's I'm going to take I'm going to I'm going to go way back. And I'm sure there are more contemporary examples, but I haven't watched basketball in 20 years. Back when Patrick Ewing was playing for the Knicks, I remember people would talk about how when he went up for a layup he would take like four or five steps when he was yeah. running at the basket. Uh, and, and that should be a travel, but they, it always, you know, they let it go for him because that was his, his, that was the way he played the game. And I guess he had earned enough of a reputation around the league to get away with that. So I feel like that's the kind of thing that a former player would be more inclined to let go than somebody who, didn't play the game and only went by what's in the rule book. That's fair. And, uh, and I'm not, I agree with you on that. As a matter of fact, sorry to sound like a flip flopper here, but, uh, okay. you're allowed to reconsider your opinion with new information. Yeah. Uh, to bring it back to w w what, what we're talking about before, especially for, for hockey referees, by the way, too, they're all excellent skaters. So that would definitely be a little incentive um, and they're tough. I've seen, I'm, I'm sure you've seen them too, where uh, referees and, and linemen get hit by pucks and they just shrug it off and keep going. So I think you have to be an ex-player to, to be able to be that tough. But uh, okay, that, that when you're not strictly calling everything by the book and you're, you're experiencing it and you're feeling it, um, maybe that would be a good instinct from a former player as opposed to somebody who was just trained to call the game strictly the way it is. And and this is kind of going back to what we were talking about with the offsides rule too, is that uh, head coaches have the option now to uh, call back a, 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 or at least have a replay if there's a goal scored and, and, you know, the other team scored the goal because they were offside by a quarter of a hair, you know? So, but the example you used was a little extreme and, and I appreciate that too. Uh, especially being St. John's fans, and I have never forgiven Patrick Ewing from his Georgetown days, but that would be an example of it, how he was not the most honest player in the world. But um, And plus, being in New York, they always let things slide, too, because there's always a lot more money and, and things to be made with uh, with that aspect. But um, that is an interesting theory, and, and I think it's uh, more fact than theory. Okay. Well, you know, I just... I... There's no real definitive answer here. I just thought it would be an interesting topic of discussion since it just came up in my own personal life. And I just wanted to see what you thought. And it's good, especially for, for Hockey Fest. And that's the point why they emphasize official referees is that they want everybody to have fun and, and want it to be fair. And it's also four on four street hockey. And it's for all ages and genders, too. So having referees that that are 
trained, know the game, and, and specifically deck hockey because there are different rules. That makes it a lot more fun and, and well-organized. And also, too, if you're trying it, you learn the game properly and then helps you to fall in love with it and pass it along to friends, family, and if you have any children. Yeah, okay. Those are all valid points. Thank you. Thank you, James. And one last thing before we move on, and this is kind of a complete tangent, but since you kind of brought up the professionalism of referees and, and how difficult a job it is and, and how knowledgeable you have to be, I just, it reminded me of something that I saw. So it looks like Pierre Maguire kind of stepped in it again and proved once again, why he should not have the job that he has. Uh, he, I, I guess this was during the, I don't know. I don't know if it was during the all-star game. I'm, I'm not sure which game it was, but so I, I saw a clip recently where uh, he apparently Kendall Coyne was brought on by NBC to be like a commentator for, you know, an analyst for one of the games. And Pierre was with her between the benches and he was explaining the job to the Olympic medalists. Oh, no. Yeah. So he said, all right. So the I forget which two teams it was, but let's say it was, you know, uh, Pittsburgh and Tampa. He's like. So the Penguins are going to be on your left. Tampa's going to be on your right. And remember, you're here as an analyst, not a fan. So we need to have your opinion on the game, you know, through that lens. It's like, really, dude? I mean, talk about somebody who, who can't do. Like, don't, don't tell this woman who won an Olympic medal, you know, <laughs> how the game of hockey works. Like... <laughs> Are you an idiot? I mean, that's a, that's a rhetorical question. We all know the answer is yes. But, like, why do you still have a job? Excellent question. I, I don't know what they're doing over there. And NBC, when it comes to the broadcast team, with the exception of Olchek, uh, I'm no fan of Doc Emmerich either, but uh, I don't get it. But the, God bless Ms. Coyne for um, restraining from showing him how uh, she knows how to elbow and, and defend herself when she's playing Olympic hockey. Mm-hmm. I swear. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> we, we can That's, move on now. I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. It is, uh, I'm not a fan of uh, Maguire's either, and, yeah. and that just adds to his uh, list of blunders. <laughs> I'm insulting. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, let's, let's, let's move on okay. to uh, – some people who actually do know what they're doing. Yes. Up in Ottawa again, a very wonderful hotbed of, of hockey of all levels, the 67s. So if you're not familiar with the Ottawa 67s, they are, and this is for Mike, our good pal Mike from the LIQ and uh, listener and all that stuff. They are a major junior hockey team of the Ontario Hockey League are the Ottawa 67s. And why 67? Because they were formed in 1967, and that was the centennial year of Canada. All and right. there's your, yeah, there's your quick little history lesson on the Ottawa 67s, what and they're up to. Can, can you just explain quickly why this one's for Mike? Oh, thank you. That, that, that would be a good idea, as I'm making fun of Pierre Maguire. Yeah, Mike named our league the LIQ, and one of the things that he put in with, with the whole official name that we just whittled down to three letters was, what was it, Major Junior Junior Hockey? The, yes, the, the yeah. Long Island Queens Major Junior Junior Street Hockey League. 
it was the original name. Yes, and, and the idea behind that is Mike is a huge, huge hockey fan, and he appreciates the, that uh, the oxymoron, if you will, of Major Junior and, and how they describe their minor league systems up in Canada and, and even down here in, in the U.S. too. So they, they throw in junior and major and whatever. But and, and this is a legitimate major junior hockey team, which just really falls right into uh, Mike's wheelhouse. Thank you. Yeah, we've yeah, since sure. dropped one of the juniors. Uh, I think the idea at the beginning was we were so inexperienced and none of us knew what we were doing or very few of us knew what we were doing. So that was why the excess juniors were thrown in there. Yeah, you know, he gave us uh, he gave us some time to uh, grow up and 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 earn our stripes and drop one of the juniors, which I think was good incentive for us to uh, behave and and play the game properly. Yeah, I, maybe I'm I have no frame of reference for when this happened, so I'm just going to make something up. I think that happened when we moved up to the regulation size nets. We graduated to to playing real hockey. Yeah, that would make sense. That's when we we lost our our junior. Well, getting back to the uh, 67s. Please. Yeah, they um and and that I I appreciated that uh, trip down memory lane in the LIQ. And if you're interested in joining us, if you find yourself in Queens or whatever the case is, you could check us out on uh, the LIQ. Check us out on Facebook and um and uh, the internet as well. So you could just Google it, and we'd love to uh, have you come out and play. But thank you, American Rhino, for that. Mm. And uh, so for the 67s, they are having a fundraising dinner on the night of February 20th, I believe. And the idea behind that is to, again, promote the great activity of kids playing sports after school is out. So a good idea, especially for inner city kids that um, don't have the opportunity or maybe not the money to spend on playing sports because they can't afford the equipment or uh, even have a place to play. And that's where this all comes to uh, a full head is that the, I believe it's pronounced Rideau Sports Center up in Ottawa. They have generously contributed to this and, and offer their facilities for this to all happen, which is just fantastic because it looks like a, it's, it's a wonderful facility. It, it's a big bubble dome and uh, they have gyms in there and uh, a huge area to play deck hockey and basketball and volleyball um, and, and all sorts of great stuff, tennis. And uh, they, they are uh, loaning their facility to to have these inner city kids come and, and play uh, some sports after school. Uh, this fundraising dinner is to get just that, is just to raise funds for it. And it's the first time they're doing this this dinner. And uh, they hope to raise $20,000 for the after-school sports and recreation programs. And uh, they're also partnering with the Ottawa Community Housing Foundation. And um, the dinner is $75 a plate. It's a lasagna dinner, and it's for everyone. Uh, and the dress code, I think you'll appreciate this. It's not like black tie or whatever. It's Got to wear a hockey jersey. Lasagna is for everyone, James. That's true, too. <laughs> I, you know, I got to say this real, real quick. I want to interject. I know I'm going to sound like a little bit of a jerk here, and I do applaud what they're doing. It's a great cause, and I understand, you know, that, that this is how it goes with these fundraisers. But, you know, for, for 75 bucks, I think I would want something a little better than a plate of lasagna. Like, maybe, that, maybe that'll fly for Garfield, but I'm not paying, you know, most of a hundred bucks for lasagna. Like, at least give me some chicken or something. 
<laughs> yeah, and that lasagna better be darn good. Like yeah. my mom made it, you know. So yeah, we're not, we're not talking about like some, you know, we're we're talking about like you know maybe a three meats and and you know like a seven layer kind of you know that this had better be some quality lasagna. That's what I'm saying. Well, I have faith in the Ottawa 67s, and and I, I do think that everybody has his heart in the right place, and and I think the lasagna will deliver. So. Uh, they don't mention anything else, but uh, I'm sure there must be another option or two for people that maybe even be lactose intolerant or whatever the case is. So, there better be. Strict vegans and stuff, which I, I think that some vegans don't even eat anything that was produced from an animal at all, including cheese and stuff like that. So I don't know what's going on with that stuff. But uh, the bottom line is it's a fundraiser. It's for kids who need it. And um, so – you know, uh, you can hang out and have fun, talk hockey, and uh, hopefully have a good meal as well. Yeah, uh, it is a good cause. Obviously, you want to be able to, well, I mean, you want to introduce kids to hockey and let them play hockey regardless of the circumstances. But if this is, you know, kids that don't have anything else to do after school and, and don't have, you know, the options that your normal, your I say normal, that your your average child has, you know, I don't know if they're latchkey kids or probably kids from not great means at home. This is definitely a worthwhile cause. And I'm not saying I wouldn't pay the 75 bucks for the lasagna because it is a great cause. I just, you know, I'm, I'm really I'm, I'm splitting hairs just for the sake of entertainment. Well, I'm appreciative that you said it because, uh, as we've said many a time, I'm an Italian American, and uh, we we really take our food very seriously because it's very important to us. So, thank you for saying what I was thinking. But um, uh, yeah, it, it's all good. And um, and the other interesting thing is that the whole fundraiser was brought together because one of the reasons why they refer to these uh, minor league teams as major junior is in the OHL. I believe the ages for the players in the league are between 16 years old and 21. So they're very, very young and thus the junior and the fundraising organization are all entrepreneurs in their twenties. So I think it really hits close to home for them because they're really talking about something that they know about because being in your twenties, your childhood wasn't that far off. And uh, they know the importance of having something to do after school and, and having fun and camaraderie and things. And uh, it's not just deck hockey, too. There are basketball programs they're hoping to develop, volleyball and indoor soccer as well. And again, the Redo Sports Center, uh, God bless them for donating their facilities because it's really top notch, uh, looks state of the art and uh, clean and wonderful and, and great. So um, that would probably be a better incentive for these kids to want to play and, and join the um, after-school program. What are their fundraisers like? $50 Sloppy Joe? I don't know. But all funds raised through ticket sales and sponsorships will go directly to the cause. And uh, the public can buy tickets or make an online donation at strthcon a T I G E R S dot C A. And of course, um, that was a mouthful. We will have links to all of this stuff on our Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all that. We'll link it. Yeah. Just don't yeah. worry about it. We'll link it. <laughs> yeah, just just go to 
Twitter or our Facebook page or whatever. You, you'll find it there. Thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I really shouldn't besmirch the good name of Sloppy Joe. Like, it's been a while since I've had a really good Sloppy Joe, and I could go for one. So, uh, not, not like I wouldn't pay 50 bucks for a good one, but, you know, I, I, I feel like... I feel like I don't want to throw that out there like, oh, <laughs> sloppy Joe. Like it's not, I would definitely eat a sloppy Joe where it put in front of me. And what better meal to have if you're hanging out with Rod Hockey too. Hey, hey, I got a sloppy Joe for you over here. I got a sloppy Joe. I I, I throw the sloppy Joe meat in lasagna to make the meat sauce. It's a Just like Mama Hockey used to make. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm oh, sure I offended somebody, but you know we love we love Rod Hockey here on the podcast. Anytime, anytime we can welcome him for a cameo, uh, I'm in favor of it. Amen to that. <laughs> so uh, to to wrap things up for the on deck portion of the podcast. Mm-hmm. The American Rhino, we were talking about the smart puck and, and all of the other highlights of the All-Star game over in San Jose and uh, did some research and, and have some more information on that puck that uh, was kind of distracting to us and, and uh, maybe the listener and the viewer as well of the All-Star game with the little track and, and the gray line and all that silly stuff. But there was a lot more going on in that puck than um, I even realized. More than meets the eye, huh? Exactly right, sir. This goes back to a conversation we had on a podcast long, long ago. It was one of the earliest podcasts, I think. Maybe, uh, I, I don't remember which one, but we talked about how awesome it would be if there was a Transformer who was a Zamboni. That's right. Yeah, can you imagine like a, a Transformer, a Zamboni Transformer who, uh, a la Soundwave, like shot out pucks that transformed into little robots? Oh man, that's that that's that's a missed opportunity right there. Absolutely, won't get that with the GoBots. I tell you what. <laughs> and also, James, on a more serious note, I know you said in the on deck that I asked you to follow up on this, and I I, I dispute that because I I asked the question during the podcast last week whether this was what we were talking about on a previous show. Only because I never do any research because I'm bad at my job. I, I specifically told you you did not have to go researching this, but you opted to forge ahead anyway, being the professional that you are who wanted to do this for the benefit of our listeners. So thank you for that. Yeah, and I apologize for throwing you under the bus because you're right. <laughs> you really didn't ask me. To you didn't throw me under the bus. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, if anything, that uh, maybe the listener was curious too, so that that it, it needed to be looked into. If anything, so I mean, if um, anything, you gave me like a nudge so I could ride up on the bumper. Like, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's not smart to uh, anger an, a, a rhino. By the way, so I am in no I, way angered. I, I okay, good. Thank you. Uh, but yes, there was a lot going on with the new puck, and um, it's been three years in the making, too, that in this particular new technology, it offers, again, which we've talked about many times in the past, real-time data, and it's only to be used, at least this kind of data, used for the broadcasters, and uh, also, I thought this was kind of strange, uh, could be leveraged for 
legal gambling too in the U.S. Um, for whatever How reason. The what? uh, yeah, I, I thought that was quite odd. The, the article um, quoting was um, written by Stephen Impey, I-M-P-E-Y is how you uh, pronounce the gentleman's last name. And uh, according to this article, that's what it says. It says it's uh, these pucks are to de- were developed to get real-time data and uh, used for broadcasters and for fans and for additional player insights and so on and so forth and also could be used for legal gambling, sports betting for some reason. I I mean, I can't I can't imagine. I wonder the only thing I can come up with there is that it like it, it's the information that it generates is so accurate that it's no, I can't even I, I, I got nothing. I, I thought yeah. I had something, but no, there's no there there. I apologize. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> I, I mean, gambling is something that's foreign to me anyway, but whatever. The idea is that uh, microchips were added, and this has been tested through, of all places, the Vegas Golden Knights, a couple of home games, and, and one game was against the Rangers, as a matter of fact. Another one was against the Sharks, and uh, then they ended up using it for real in the All-Star game, so they put microchips in the player's shoulder pads and um, somehow fitted these microchips in these specially designed pucks, which I still think were frozen, by the way. Thank you, Fox. So uh, they they were good pucks that, that reacted properly. Don't know about the paint, which uh, the American Rhino brought up too from a former uh, topic on the uh, graphics of the puck that changed colors to see if they were still frozen or not. But they, um, the, the thing is that the microchips in the puck can track information at 2000 times per second wow. and the micro, yeah, the microchips in the player's shoulder pads can gather data 200 times per second. So awesome. really, yeah. Talk about splitting hairs and getting extreme details. The puck and the uh, microchips in the shoulder pads are able to do so. Cool. Yeah, and especially in hockey, too. That's why it took so long to develop it, because uh, as Gary Bettman has said, too, in the past, in other technologies and that they're exploring, um, this is what they're looking to do in the regular season, too. If everything goes well, it seems like everything is going well, that this will be implemented next year in all of the games, uh, the hockey games played in the NHL. But um, what makes it so complicated is that hockey is such a rough-and-tumble sport and it's so fast and the hitting and, and there's ice involved and, and sticks and crazy stuff of that nature to develop this stuff where it's accurate is really quite phenomenal and, and a really a fantastic job by the developers. Yeah, good on them. Yep. And uh, it's between the NHL and the NHL Players Association. They're both on board. They're going to even implement this in ongoing negotiations to make sure that everything is on the up and up. Because the players had a little bit of concern with wearing the microchips on their jerseys somehow or, or in their shoulder pads or on their body in, in some way. Because there was other technology where they tried to weave the microchips or something into the jerseys themselves. So I don't know if they're still going to do that or if they'll stick with the shoulder pad thing. Maybe it's a little bit easier to gather data and, and stay in place and so so on and so forth. And, um, you know, uh, we'll see how it goes. All right. So, James, here, though, is the million-dollar question or whatever denomination of value you choose to assign to it. 
So the question that I actually asked on last week's podcast and the question that prompted this whole thing, is this the same technology that we discussed on episode 31, which, uh, you know, is the launching bad for this whole discussion? Uh, I actually didn't re-listen to the podcast, so I don't know. Well, I actually, I did go back and listen to the podcast, which the reason I'm asking is because in the podcast, what we described was wearable technology with an eye towards statistics, you know, accurate statistic gathering. So th that's why I asked, because this sounds a lot like what that was. So I just, I, you know, I... I wanted to know. That would definitely make sense. And exactly right. We were talking about uh, integrating in the jerseys themselves and so on and so forth. And it's three years in the making. It has to at least be related, if not being the same thing. All right. Well, I will take that as, if not definitive, I will take that as good enough. Okay, thanks. Because that's all I got. That gets a, a, a stamp from the American Rhino. Boom. Good enough. All right. There you go. Big old GE. Not to be confused with the, you know appliance manufacturer <laughs> anyway uh actually we we do have one last thing to do but before we do that i just want to acknowledge one quick thing because there is 125 that is worth it acknowledging here on this podcast see it's a long walk but i eventually got there there's some significance for you and that 25 is the 25th anniversary of the 1994 New York Rangers Stanley Cup win, which uh, I wouldn't normally bring up here on the podcast, but I think it is worth mentioning because the Rangers are having a celebration tonight, I believe, as this podcast drops in honor of that e momentous event in Rangers uh, franchise history. And as a tribute to that team, Henrik Lundqvist had a gorgeous mask made. This is also a Dave Art mask, which we discussed last week with the Gritty Mask. And it is a really nearly perfect replica of the old Statue of Liberty mask that Mike Richter wore. And in fact, this whole mask is a tribute to Mike Richter. The man himself is on Henrik Lundqvist's mask with a big old 1994 painted on it. I love that mask. Uh, in fact, I patterned my own mask after it my own mask is that kind of style of blue uh almost silhouette uh which mine is a charging rhino a rhino silhouette charging out of an american flag but it's yeah the the whole kind of inspiration for me was that mike richter mask which i love so much and i just wanted to if you haven't seen it go check it out it's gorgeous and uh, I, I just wanted to give Henrik credit for that appreciation and that acknowledgement of what I consider to be, you know, one of the greatest American-born goaltenders in history. Get no argument from me on that, man. So, you know, th th thank you for that. And, uh, you know, from, from a, a great, great man and a great accomplishment, we transition to a great big mess. <laughs> A great big orange mess for our favorite recurring segment, which is, of course, This Week in Gritty. This Week in Gritty. And This Week in Gritty, 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 Gritty. What have you been up to this week? Oh, my. Well, 
actually, before we tell you about what Gritty was up to this week, I want to tell you something that Gritty was up to last week that we didn't mention on the podcast last week because I only just saw it. And that is uh, in the All-Star game. We, we talked at length last week about Gritty's hijinks in the mascot portion of the All-Star festivities. One thing, though, that he did that I did not know about until very recently is, uh, if you'll recall a couple weeks ago, James told us about all the different activities that the mascots were participating in. One of them was Broomball, which, you know, was awesome. But uh, I, I saw, well, let's call it a highlight, although given what happened, it's probably more accurately a low light. So I guess... You know, Gritty doesn't seem to be a very good sport because I only saw this as an animated GIF, so I didn't get to see exactly what happened. But uh, apparently at some point during the contest, Gritty got a little chippy and he picked up the broom ball and he decided to wing it, no pun intended, dodgeball style, and he laid out the Capitals mascot Slapshot, you know, who, who took a broom ball directly to his person. Oh, goodness gracious. At high speed. Like, he was, he was maybe 10 feet away. He just picked it up and, you know, chucked it straight at Slapshot. Any reason why? I don't know. Like I said, I only saw an animated GIF of it, so I, I don't know the, the surrounding uh, story there. So I'm going to say if... I'm going to implore you, listener, if you have a link to the actual video of this or even if you just know the story, please, please let us know, because I, I want to know what actually went down here. I mean, it can be explained by saying it's gritty. What what more do you need? That's what he does. But you would think there would be some kind of, you know, explanation for this behavior. This is a little out of the ordinary, even for him. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the Capitals beat the Flyers to win the Stanley cup. I, I, whatever. Okay. But like you said, it's gritty. Yeah. So that, that was last week, I guess in gritty. So moving on to this week in gritty, uh, here, let, let, let's start, let's start small and work our way up. Shall we? Okay. So basically, you know, gritty likes his hijinks. So this week on the, well, we, we, on a previous edition of this week in gritty, we discussed how Gritty came on the pre-show of another team's broadcast and started messing with the analyst. This week, there was a team of analysts for the Kings, and they they were coming out of a video package and doing their thing, talking against the glass, you know, previewing the game. And they come out of the video package, and they're still talking, like, you know, doing their jobs, except between the camera and them, there is a Gritty just dancing and, and kind of, you know, mugging for the camera and, and hogging up all of the attention. And they're trying to carry on with their, you know, pregame analysis in the background until Gritty turns around and whips out a can of Silly String and starts spraying all of their, their nice, no doubt, expensive suits with it uh, oh. before he, he then turns around and twerks right at the camera. No. Yep. Oh. <laughs> that that's gritty. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh boy. Yeah, I mean, they they hold it together right until the end, but eventually they just acknowledge that they can't anymore. They 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 just can't do it anymore. 
Wow. He won. All right. Uh, I don't know. I think overall the NHL is going to lose, but okay. So that that was that. Another th- thing that happened this week, if you saw our Facebook page last week, then you, you already know about this. But so th- this isn't so much something that Gritty did, but this is one of those stories about Gritty, how, how Gritty has a larger impact on our society and culture. So a local independent publisher in Philadelphia named uh, Quirk Books. Now, this is apparently the same publisher that published Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. So they have some cred, but uh, they mocked up a number of book covers, uh, basically turning classical books, you know, classic works of literature into tributes to Gritty. And the the highlights of these were uh, The Great Gritsby, <laughs> which uh, obviously a, a parody of The Great Gatsby. Gritty Pants, which is, uh, you know, a takeoff on Bossy Pants, the, the Tina Fey book. And uh, perhaps the best one, Where the Gritty Things Are, which is, of oh, course, no. Maurice Sendak's classic, Where the Wild Things Are. And, uh, you know, of the three of them, I think Gritty probably fits the best into that that last one because he is definitely a a strange and primal creature. The Great Gritsby. Yes. The Great Gritsby. Oh, I got to admit, um, that's the first time Gritty has made me laugh with him instead of at him. So well done, Gritty. Mm-hmm. And James, our last bit of business here on this installment of This Week in Gritty is, uh, as you know, James, no doubt, because uh, setting aside the fact that it was everywhere in the media, we, we even talked about it last week on the podcast. As you know, James, last Sunday was, in fact, Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, so there was, um, you know, over over on The Late Show, Stephen Colbert held a Super Bowl party. And, in fact, he invited a very special guest to the Super Bowl party, and that is one Sir Patrick Stewart. And, oh. uh, you know, so so for Stephen Colbert, you could say, I guess, that Super Bowl Sunday was, in fact, Captain Picard Day. Captain Picard Day? Oh, uh, yes, it's, uh, it's, it's for the children. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm a role model. <laughs> yes, in fact, yes, you are, Captain Picard. You you are a role model for for us and for Stephen and and for everyone really, uh, and and you might think this is a interesting little anecdote that fits on the podcast given our affinity for you know Star Trek as we talked about earlier in the podcast and Patrick Stewart specifically, but but why you ask do I bring it up now what what could this possibly have to do with this segment well I will tell you. And the reason I bring it up now is because Sir Patrick had a plus one for Stephen's Super Bowl party. And that was none other than Gritty. Yes, that Patrick Stewart is friends with Gritty. Apparently, they're they're old theater friends. They they did Shakespeare together back in the old days. And uh, so he, he brought Gritty to Stephen's Super Bowl party. And we learned we learned something about Gritty through this Super Bowl party. 
And that is apparently his full name is Gritwald G. Grittington. That 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 comes straight from the captain's mouth. So uh, that that is an order. That was Locutus. That wasn't the real Captain Picard. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Gritty, you know, Gritty showed up at the door, and Stephen slammed the door in his face, and then Gritty somehow wound up in his living room anyway. And uh, apparently Gritty plays the guitar, which is funny because he has those big squeaky hands. And uh, yeah, he, so he, he um, I, I don't I don't even really know where to go from here. But uh, yeah, so I guess your takeaway here is that uh, Gritty hangs out with Patrick Stewart. Uh, that, that, that's hitting below the belt because uh, Captain Picard, he lives in Brooklyn, uh, I'd imagine He'd either be a Ranger or Islander fan. Uh, that does that does not jive. And gritty, you've gone too far, man. Apparently, he broke the Prime Directive by beaming Stephen straight back to his studio. Well, I admire Stephen for at least having the wherewithal to slam the door in, in Gritty's face. Yeah. How Gritty sneaked in is beyond me. But good, good, good on you, Goldbeer. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. I mean. I, I don't I really I don't know where you go from there. So I guess that will be this week in Gritty. This week in Gritty. And uh oh boy. Oh doctor. <laughs> that, that that seemed like a full show. So I think now would be a great place to wrap it up. Don't you agree? Yeah, I uh that that's really that that was a gut punch. I'm sorry to do that, buddy. Uh, well, well, in that case, I think we definitely should wrap it up then. So, Pops, if you would, please. Last minute remaining in the podcast. Thank you, sir. And thank you, dear listener, for sticking with us for another episode of Hit the Deck 125. We, uh, you know, I mean, it's a nice, nice, uh, I was going to say round number. It's not. It's an odd number. But it, it seems like, you know, a, a kind of, as I said at the beginning, 125 seems significant in some way. Not significant enough to make it its own thing, but... You know, just just worth acknowledging, I think, because that's uh, that's a lot of episodes. So I'm happy with that. And I hope hope James is. And I hope you are. Uh, and, and we couldn't have gotten this far without you. So thank you sincerely for sticking with us here on the podcast. Thank you to Pops for being the voice of said podcast, to Anthony Sajazi for providing us with music, the LIQ for sound effects. If you, dear listener, would like to continue to get this podcast through episodes 126 and beyond, please subscribe if you haven't done so already. Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, all those great places. If we're not on your podcast platform of choice, shoot us an email. Let us know. We can be reached at hitthedeck at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at hitthedeckpod, or you can hit us up on Instagram or our Facebook page. We are at hit the deck and of course i mentioned our youtube channel earlier hit the deck podcast head over there and subscribe if you would that would be swell thank you ever so much james is there anything you'd care to add here at the end yes please well by all means thank you sir Uh, if you're interested in joining some great deck hockey leagues please look into the columbus deck hockey association the charlotte street hockey league the raleigh street hockey league VAR Hockey League, and our own LIQ. Thank you, James. Thank you, sir. And, uh, of course, we would end this podcast in the traditional manner, as we have for the first 124 episodes. And that is, of course, to remind you, dear listener, that whether you are taking it to the streets with, uh, you know, this, this traveling deck hockey tournament, or whether you are helping introduce less fortunate children to the great game of hockey, whether you are on the cutting edge 
of technological breakthrough or whether you are eating pigs in a blanket where you are not welcome. Regardless of what you find yourself doing, I would always encourage you to remember it's deck hockey. Don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody. I think we should cast some pod, actually. Good idea, because I'm about to pass out from exhaustion. So Yeah, we need to make sure the listeners can pass out from boredom. That's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. It's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it.